Welcome to the Waybox podcast. We'll be chatting to some of the most influential people in the UK health and fitness industry, finding out a little bit more about the people behind the profiles. So whether you're on the treadmill, commuting to work, or simply chilling at home, we hope you enjoy listening. Welcome back to the Waybox podcast. How are you, Ben? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. We have got a very special lady in the room with us today. She is a doctor, an author, a health and fitness blogger, and an absolute boss lady. (laughs) You will know her as the food medic, but today we're not talking about the food medic. We want to know the woman behind it all. So, Hazel Wallace, welcome to the Waybox podcast. Welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. As they say, let's start at the beginning. Okay. How was your childhood? Were you brought up in like a healthy household? Was that a big thing in your life growing up? So, if you haven't already guessed from the accent, I grew up in Ireland in a place called Dundalk, which is like just north of Dublin, seaside village, little place called Black Rock. I definitely did have a healthy upbringing. Like, I mean, where I was brought up, it was a very kind of like outdoorsy, active type kind of upbringing, really. In terms of our like diet, it was really just home cooked meals, not necessarily like trying to make it healthy but my mum cooked everything Mm. from scratch not like gourmet but like you know like shepherd's pies roast on a Sunday. one thing that she did encourage is that everyone had to get involved in prepping the food so like from a very young age I've always been involved with food whether it was like peeling potatoes picking apples from the tree I remember winning my first cooking award when I was like five I won a wooden spoon for the best apple crumble because I was literally oh my like goodness. my mum was like training me up to be a great like little housewife did she know. <laughs> little did she know eh I know so it was really good like foods but like obviously we had cakes and everything like that yeah. so it wasn't like there was no foods out of bounds but we had a very healthy approach to our lives and my parents just encouraged us to be as active Mm. as possible. Did you do any sport or anything? I did. I guess I was like, my sister hates when I say this, but like she was the musical one, I was the sporty one. And I used to do like every sport from like soccer to Gaelic football, which is an Irish type Mm. football. You like kick it in the air. Mm. Um, Horse riding, badminton, tennis, everything. What was your strongest one? I think in primary school, soccer, because I was like captain. And then hockey, field hockey when I was kind of a teenager and I did ice hockey as well like I did really everything. yeah that's and then I went, really cool it was great like but I went to uni and all of that when I yeah. the window, I like forgot about sports and I'm so sad about that because I think that is such a good way to stay fit at uni and also meet friends yeah it's really social isn't it yeah you did you do that at uni yeah I played quite a lot of rugby yeah, and it is just a great way to keep you on track because otherwise you do just end up out all the time yeah but the rugby boys also like to have a party don't they yeah Yeah. (laughs) they party hard just as hard as they train yeah so when you were at that age when you were at like primary school age early teens did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up my dad was an accountant so I thought like that was where I was going to go I was really good at maths and used to do like extracurricular maths because of it and really yeah like really really thought that was where I was going I wouldn't say I was passionate about it but Mm. 
I think my parents were kind of pushing me in that direction. It's a sensible job. <laughs> Just gently pushing in that direction. And then when I was 14, I lost my dad. Mm. He had a stroke. And I think that whole process of going into the hospital and kind of being that close with healthcare and all of that implications really like flicked the switch in my head. Mm. And I thought, actually, maybe I want to be a doctor. And I was going through that period. I lost him during my junior cert, which is kind of your equivalent of the GCSE. So I was kind of deciding what I'm going to do for kind of A-level. Mm. And I switched all my subjects from business and maths to science, like really last minute. And I was like, actually, I'm going to be a doctor. Decided to do that. But it was so late in the game that I never got the grades at A-level. I got like all Bs instead of all As. Mm. So I had to make a decision like, and I decided to move to Wales and do an undergraduate mm. degree so that I could get into medicine as a graduate entry. So when you did lose your dad how did that change or affect your relationship with like food and health and fitness obviously you became really interested in medicine and that route and that aspect of health the connection I kind of created then and I only realize it now on reflection in hindsight is that my dad had just been diagnosed with high blood pressure and he was told by his doctor that you're you know you're very much nearing type 2 diabetes so you have to watch your blood sugar and I remember Mm. these conversations happening and I was only 14 so they didn't really sink in but he started making these dietary changes to his lifestyle and was going to the gym every day and I guess that connection and seeing that he was trying to moderate his risk and ended up actually all of those risks added up and I don't know you know ultimately I can't say that's what caused the stroke but they are risk factors for it so that's the first link and then after I lost him I think I yeah, I kind of like carried on for a year and didn't really think about it too much. Mm. Kind of suppressed my feelings a bit because I was a teenage girl yeah, and just, you know. How do you know how to deal with that? At 15, you don't 14, because none of my friends had gone through it. Yeah. Everyone still yeah. had their parents and some people hadn't even lost grandparents then. Mm. So I was kind of like, I have no idea what to do. I need to stay strong for my mum. And I did. And after about a year, it kind of hit me and... I stopped seeing my friends. I stopped going out. I stopped eating. I stopped washing my hair. I literally was grieving so strong that I lost my love for food. And it wasn't until I got to a very, very low weight that my mum sat me down and said, Hazel, I'm so worried. I'm going to take you to our GP. And I remember how worried and upset she was that I was like, oh my God, I can't do this to my mum. She's my only parent. So I was like, okay, let's go to the GP. And the GP was so good about it. She was really lovely, um, kind of reassured us that my health wasn't compromised, but it could be. And we decided together with the GP that I would go to a dietitian. We'd just have a game plan and try put my weight back on. And we did. And every week I'd go see the dietitian, have like an update, have a weigh-in. And I found every week I had a target and having that support and not labeling it and... Mm. As I started to fall back in love with food, I realized, oh my God, food can actually make you better and it's not always harmful. Yeah. It's not like, because I think... Did you think because it was harmful for your dad? Exactly. That I was so scared of it, I think. Mm-hmm. And as it brought me back to health, that's really where I think my whole connection with food and health started. Mm. And then I obviously went down the route of medicine you learn nothing about food and medicine. <laughs> and I was kind of like, well, why is no one talking about this? Like, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. And that's why I started my blog. And 
rant about food <laughs> as <laughs> in my career. We've said before on previous podcasts, it's amazing what a good week of sleep and eating well will do for you. Yeah. You don't need to just pile drugs and whatever else these big pharma companies throw at you. No, that's the thing. And like, I'm a conventional medical doctor and I absolutely support medication and chemotherapy and surgery, but we can't just fix every ill with a pill. And with the kind of diseases that we deal with nowadays, like we have surpassed infectious diseases with these chronic diseases that are largely mm. due to our lifestyles. Like I say largely because obviously there's genes and environment and lots of stuff like that. But how stressed we are, what we eat, how like our activity levels, all of that contributes to our health. Mm. And it is an absolute no brainer that doctors should be talking about that and actually speaking with their patients. And we don't. And we say we don't have time. And I absolutely agree. We are very stretched in the NHS and across the world. But if we were talking about these things, we probably wouldn't be as stressed. And if we kind of talked about it a bit more and maybe came up with a solution, like had a health coach or a personal trainer attached Mm. to practices where we can give that information as kind of like a side to the medical information that we're giving. I just think like something needs to change. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. I know that when you were at uni, so you'd kind of gone through that stage of looking after yourself and having that those regular check-ins with your dietitian and then didn't we like hit freshers and it all went like <laughs> yeah everyone hits freshers like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like I moved from Dundalk to Wales and not even Cardiff like not the city to Pontypridd which is like in the valley <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely loved it like oh my god it was the best time ever but I was only 18 living away from home meeting all my friends and like obviously when you want to meet friends you're like I need to socialise so you're going out boozing rugby and cider is like literally so big in Wales so that's what I was doing on the reg takeaways like where I was from takeaways wasn't really a thing so like now that I was exposed to it Mm. I was like this is amazing. All of this food tastes so great. Like I need to eat it all the time. And like, don't get me wrong. I was studying really hard because the goal was I need to get into medicine. But I'd go to the library for like marathon sessions and bring like family sized bags of Doritos and Haribo, Mm. bottles of Coke, like Dr. Hazel is now like, what were you doing? Like, Dr. <laughs> Hazel cringes inside. Yeah. But I'm also like, oh, you have I don't to regret it. I no. don't regret it. I had the best time. But then when I realized like, whoa, you've put on a lot of weight. You aren't very healthy. Like, I have asthma. And my GP then was like, we have to step you up to a steroid inhaler because your asthma is so out of control. And I was like, whoa, like from a girl who used to be really sporty, mm. who could hardly run for a bus... That was what scared me. Yeah. And I was like to my boyfriend at the time, like, if I go to the gym, will you show me how to squat? (laughs) Like, I had no idea how to do any of this. So he's like, right, we'll write you a gym program. I was like, I'm going to look after my diet. So I started like delving into the literature, like, what should I eat? Like Googling the research behind the best diets in the world. And that's when like... Back then, it was like when bodybuilding was kind of on the rise. It was, yeah. Macro counting and like low carb, high fat. And I was kind of like, hmm, like what should I do? And paleo was very cool back then. So like I kind of started with like a paleo type diet. Mm. You know, I wasn't really prescribing myself to anything, but really just trying to cook from scratch and get in lots of like fresh ingredients. And I realized, oh my God, I love cooking again. And just bringing my own packed lunch every day and making my breakfast and swapping my Frosties for like an omelette in the morning. Yeah. 
completely improved my energy levels and also I felt like my academic performance was going up so I was like I was hooked I was like you're feeding your brain as well as your body aren't you absolutely as a scientist I need to know the evidence yeah and I hate going on anecdotal and like in my experience but like it really was in my experience and I was just like <laughs> this has changed my life and I need to share this with the world and like all the other medical students were kind of like why is this girl mental and like <laughs> starting her own little blog and like they made fun of me and well I'm look just, at you now <laughs> You're on our podcast. You made it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's really important for people like myself and like yourself who are in this industry to have that personal experience so you can relate to it Mm. when you're giving out that information and go, you know what? I've been through that. I know how difficult it is. I know how hard it is to reject diet culture and actually focus on my health uh, instead of just going, oh, my God, I need to go on that diet because that celebrity done it and it worked for her. It is scary now, the information that is available. Like if we started our journeys today and if we put what's the best way to get healthy on Google, I wonder what would come up. I know. Because, I mean, even did you see that Kim Kardashian picture? No. Just the other day, she did a whole my tea to get my flat tummy. (gasps) And you just think someone pointed out on social media as if she doesn't have enough money. Like she really didn't need to do a sponsored post on Instagram. No. No, Why she is really she promoting didn't. that? Categorically, she probably has never had that tea before in her life. Exactly. I actually had a conversation with in a meeting today about that and someone was like, doesn't it work? Like, and I was <laughs> of course like, not. no, like absolutely not. Like they are diuretics and laxatives. So you wee out everything. You wee out all that water. You are on the toilet for days. It disrupts your electrolytes, your sodium, your potassium balance. It's actually dangerous. Mm. And the fact that we don't have that regulated and you can buy it on the high street is pretty scary. Mm. Like, I mean, there's worse stuff that you need to get a prescription for. Yeah, that is crazy. So when you started your blog, did you think, right, this is going to be the food medic brand, this is my blog, this is it? Or was it literally just a hobby and an outlet for something that was going on for you? It was definitely a personal thing. Like, the first thing I started on was Instagram, as we all do. Mm. And it was private to start with because I was hashtag so embarrassed. (laughs) And I actually named it. This is even more I don't think I know this. I'm really excited (laughs) to hear what you're about This is, like, exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, cringe. It was called... (laughs) Come on, the female Fitzbo, and I that will <laughs> I will die with that. The female Fitzbo, oh. which only lasted for about six weeks. I'm then, surprised you got that handle. To be fair, I know, but that was I, early days. I know, but we started when Instagram wasn't cool. We did, and then six weeks into it, I was like, I'm gonna start a WordPress blog and share my information, and then. I was like, I need a better name, and I remember like writing down loads of ideas, and then the food meta came to mind, and I was like. I'm going to go with that. And now, like six years down the line, I'm like, hallelujah, that I didn't think the female Fitzbo was a good idea. <laughs> How old were you then? 22. Well done, 21, 22 year old Hazel. Yeah. Wise, yeah. wise. I know. Boss lady from the beginning. <laughs> what was your first email address? Rapunzel underscore five at hotmail.com. <laughs> Oh my god! I still use my first email address. Really? What was it? Is it safe um, though? So you're all right to I, use it. Should I tell people? Yeah. No, I don't think I should. No, I you can't because. Oh, you yeah. still use. Oh yeah, if you I still use, use it, don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I do still use it. I don't use it professionally. Just like to put that out there. No, not professionally. But I do. I do have it on certain things. It's like the MSN. Oh. Like, oh god. Oh, coming home from school and just jumping straight on MSN. I know. That was like <laughs> our wa- to all the WhatsApp of the nineties. Yeah. 
<laughs> you didn't go through like the conventional medical school route originally, did you? You went to university and did medical sciences, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, a three-year undergrad degree, which is kind of, they kind of pitch it towards people who want to get into medicine, mm. but you can go down other routes. Like, I think five of us went on to do medicine. Um, it was a very small course. There was about 23 of us on the whole course, which was great because you would really, really one-to-one mm. learning. I just knew I'm, I want to be a doctor. So like, I was like straight and narrow it, yeah. and I actually did really well and had a few offers for various medical schools, but I decided to stay in Cardiff and go there. I'm a little bit older than like my cohort of kind of doctors now, but I'm really grateful for that opportunity because I felt like I kind of got like that immature hazel out of me in the first kind of year of uni. And then when I was going into postgrad, I was like, I'm so serious and ready for this. And I really embraced medical school and absolutely loved every minute of it. Like, How long did you do in that postgrad time? How many four years? years. Four more so years. It's it's one year shorter than the kind of standard medical school. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of studying. I know. And then when you come out and you go into hospitals, are you still kind of learning as such or you've let loose you have to do like e-portfolio so that's kind of like getting your skills ticked off like you have to do some audits and stuff like that but you're expected to do research and presentations and you do teaching along the way you still have to keep like jumping through loops mm-hmm. until you're like essentially a consultant and yeah. even at that stage you're mm-hmm. also having to go through like validation and lots of different things so like well science is always evolving isn't mm-hmm. it and you always have to be on top of your game absolutely and I think like although I'm like oh my god it's it can be really annoying. It's really essential because you can become de-skilled or lose yeah. your kind of, you need to stay up to date. Yeah, absolutely. So when you started the food medic, was that as you were in your postgrad time or were you still at your first it was, degree? It was like when I was going into my postgrad time. So I just In fact, I feel like I remember the post saying I got in to do this. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I really need to scroll back because I think I've got 5,000 posts now. Wow. I know. I'm wow. an excessive poster. <gasps> you are. But it has been going on for ages. It has. Like, I think my first ever post was probably like a pair of trainers or something. <gasps> like, I'm ready to lace up and go. <laughs> you know, like, hashtag female fitspo. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love that. And then at what point did the food medic really start to take off for you? Because you juggled that all through that post-grad time, didn't you? Like, yeah. it really did. That's crazy. How did you even balance that blog, which was becoming so busy, and your degree, and towards the latter stages, um, you got your book deal? Yeah. So I actually found it as, uh, I guess, an outlet because I work really, really hard. I don't see myself as one of these people who can just who's just naturally super Mm. intelligent, like I have to study. So I had to study really hard at medical school, but I found like my outlet was reading um, nutrition and exercising and I loved the gym. Mm. And that's where it started as. And I also trained to be a personal trainer whilst at medical school because (sighs) I was just like... Is there anything she can't do? (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to know everything and know that I was giving out safe information. And I felt like... A little bit of me always thought, I think you're on to something big. And regardless of the naysayers, I'd just keep going. So I'd like come home at night and study for a bit and then I'd cook. And I found cooking was like something that really relaxed me at medical school. And that's kind of where it grew. But balancing it was difficult. I think if I wasn't so passionate about it, I would have let go. But I loved it and I live and breathe what I do. It's not like it's faddy 
or anything. Like it's very sustainable. It is your lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. And I think once it's a part of your life, it's pretty easy to do. Mm. But it really did take off in my final year of medical school. It was the summer just before I was going into my final year. And I'd done like my first TV advert and then, which was a bit random. But then I'm that day I signed with my agency I was like, I don't really know if I need an agent. And they were like, yeah, we don't really know if you need an agent too, but we're just going to stay here. And if you need us, we'll be here. So that was quite nice. And they're still my agency today. And very much like very good friends of mine. And I think from there, it all just kind of snowballed. And I got a book deal. And as part of your final year of medical school, you go on an elective, which is basically you can go anywhere in the world. You pay for it yourself. But you can go anywhere in the world and you do kind of like a medical internship. And I was like, I really want to go to Sydney. Like, I'd love to go to Sydney. So I went there for eight weeks to do my internship. In, the dream. It was amazing. I was like working in an in A&E so in cool. Randwick, which is like right by Bondi Beach. Those eight weeks, I wrote my book, like most of the book, my really? first book. Yeah, because I was completely away from everyone else. Yeah. I would do my placement in the morning, come home and write all day. And then I'd go out in the evening. I met loads of people, mostly doctors, actually, mm. from London. I met Rupi from the doctor's kitchen there. and um, We've had him on mm. the show. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how that's a, such a small world, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It re I actually emailed him and he made a joke of this at his book launch. And I was like... Dear, I can't Dear remember. Dear Doctor's Kitchen. Dear Doctor's Kitchen. Like, my name is Hazel Wallace and I'm a final year medical student and I'd love to meet up with you and chat about like food. And it was like such a cheesy email. <laughs> and he like always takes a mick out of me. And now we're really good friends. But um, yeah, no. It I, worked. It worked. And I think, I don't know. I like look back and think, how the hell did I do all of that? I think that regularly. How yeah. the And you still juggle an awful lot. You're still one of the busiest women I know. Do you feel like your personal life gets affected in terms of the balance you have? Do you find that the lines blur between personal and professional? I know it can for me. I'll be honest and say my boyfriend's away this week, so I'm working way more than I normally would. Yeah. Um, just because there's time there. And when you're so passionate about what you do, it's hard to stop. Yeah, absolutely. I think... For me, last year, I was obviously my first year working as a junior doctor. You work an incredible amount of hours and you tend to stay afterwards because you're a little bit slower than the other doctors and you're very paranoid that your patients are going to yeah. die when you leave. <laughs> so you're kind of there all the time. But I was launching a book. I was still doing the food medic. Everything was taking off. And I got very, very stressed and very unwell coming to the end of the year. And I decided to take a year out of training this year. I still locum as a doctor, but it means I can be a bit more flexible with my shifts, which is great. Mm. And regaining that balance in my life and actually practicing self-care, which is something I never really focused on before, has actually revolutionized what I do. Yeah. And it's given me more time to like read and write and actually condense what I want to do and be very concise and... In my next book, I really bring that into it, like the whole element of mental health and self-care and meditation and mindfulness. And well, that's just part of health, isn't it? That's the it really bit that is. we don't talk about as much and that it's so great that a professional like you can bring that to our attention. And it's something I'm learning more and more about, you know, working with my own clients and speaking to people like you. I think there's so many facets to health that are beyond always you know what we're eating and how we're exercising and it's actually self-care is such a huge element it really is and I think people just think you're 
you're being a bit selfish or you're just like, like you have to be a bit selfish these to. days you have to like, no, but me time's good isn't it yeah no I think me time is essential and I, I never thought I'd be a doctor that would prescribe like stress management but like I'm like to my patients now download that calm app and do 10 minutes <laughs> of meditation for 7 days and just let me know how you get on <laughs> I think people live in like a world of extreme anxiety just because of social media oh, and mobiles yeah. everyone's hyperactive almost yeah Although sometimes it's a positive stimulus when your phone goes off, it is a stimulus and it's like activating that sympathetic drive of your nervous system, which is like your fight or flight mode. And like how many times a day does our phone go off? And that mm. is just one stimulus in your life. Can you imagine the amount of stress hormones that are currently flooding through our bodies? Mm. Oh, um, so many. But having things like self-care and whether it's 10 minutes of mindfulness or having a breathing technique in your back pocket that you can try can really just switch on the parasympathetic system, which is kind of like that rest and digest side of the, your nervous system. And you can control that and kind of bring down your stress levels, which will bring your body back down to that equilibrium and be like, hmm, I'm calm now. What's your favourite way to relax and calm down personally? If I don't have time, I'll just do like a square breathing technique where like I just kind of do a couple of minutes of breathing. Mm. I also meditate for 10 minutes every day, but if I've got a bit more time then it's going to be a long bath and a glass of Pinot Grigio. Oh, lovely. Same. So uh, I kind of want to know more about what it is like to be a junior doctor because it's something yeah. I know nothing about. How did that feel after like medical school and you're like, right, I've learned all this information and now I have to go and put it into practice on real people. And like you said, you're telling them to get the Calm app, but are you also telling them to get your book? Books, plural. Are you like, I don't. Do you take a yeah. I'll do a signed copy of the food medic. Make these recipes. They'll be great for your health. <laughs> no, I mean, I've never once brought up my book to any of my patients. I think, I don't know if it's... Has anyone like, come in and asked you to sign their copy? A couple of staff members, but so, like no patients. Right. <laughs> like my patients tend to be like over the age of 60 majority. So like, <laughs> most of them aren't on Instagram and know who I am, which is quite nice. But the goal I've set myself is like, any patient I'm dealing with, regardless of what I'm dealing with, I want them to go away with one piece of lifestyle advice. And if I think that they're not moving a little bit more, maybe I can encourage them to download the Active 10 app, which is like encourages people to do 10 minutes of activity every day. Or if I feel like they're really stressed, maybe I can encourage them to meditate every day. Or if I feel like they're really eating the wrong thing, maybe I can give them a few healthy hacks to like eat more fruits and vegetables and mm. I think if I can like kind of like seed it throughout the patient population maybe it'll catch on and I'm hoping that's what other doctors will do but what you just said like in terms of going from medical student to junior doctor it's literally like one day you stop being a medical student they're like it's like the end of July and first of August you're like literally doctor so you there is no change yeah. the, the only thing that changes is the date and you're like it's we call it dangerous doctor's day but <laughs> they it tend gets. to have all consultants <laughs> on board just in case when everyone starts yeah because wow. you're like you don't know how to work the system yeah. you don't know what you're doing you have all this knowledge you're probably more knowledgeable than any of the other doctors because you've just done your finals but you don't know how to utilize it because no. it's really overwhelming i can imagine absolutely and it's one thing having that knowledge in your head but like kind of like applying it to real life and one of the best things i learned as a junior doctor in my first year is how to prioritize and that's one thing that we really 
like encourage medical students to do and new junior doctors is like you are going to get a million things thrown at you at once mm. and you have to kind of prioritize in your head in levels of urgency what you need to do first like do you need to speak to that nurse who's asking for you about some prescription or do you need to go see the patient who is vomiting you know like you have to kind of think what's more important and I think that really lends itself to real life issues because yeah. now I'm really good at prioritizing just my to-do list I'm like oh no I really need to email back that person but I don't actually have to do my laundry till tomorrow probably <laughs> you know like I'm with you on the laundry <laughs> yeah. it's just it's about doing like prioritizing the must do with the could do I think that's really a valid point <laughs> we can all work on our priorities for sure I can work on my priorities sometimes obviously cooking was a massive hobby of yours and it's, it's kind of still a hobby but it's also kind of your profession do you mm. have any other secret hobbies that we don't know about um drawing I love like really? yeah I'm really really into draw- like not like artistic sketch yeah. drawing it's like cartoony drawing in terms of diagrams so like and I've started integrating it a little bit into my blog posts especially when I'm doing a sciencey blog post because like and loads of the brands I'm working with are like we love this because I was working with the whole grain council I was drawing out like the comparison of like a whole grain to like a refined grain mm. and like how we strip the bran and everything and I love that and then I can like draw all the anatomical pieces and I do some like teaching with medical students for like anatomy and stuff like that and I like drawing for them so I guess I don't like talking about it because I'm like it's not like I'm great at it or anything yeah. it's just something I really enjoy doing and Sometimes I'll just get out a big A3 white pad and I'll just draw while, like, to relax. I don't have a TV, so that's kind of, like, my form of relaxing. I think it's so refreshing that you don't have a TV. (laughs) I know. I'm, like, trying to go as long as I can. I couldn't afford one at uni. (laughs) And now it's kind of, like, this thing that I just don't do. And it amazes anyone, like, that I don't have a TV. Yeah, I don't think I know anyone that doesn't have a TV. I know. Hazel, you know Hazel. Do you have have Netflix? (laughs) I, I do, but I've just deleted my subscription because I don't use it yeah I just I, I don't, don't watch, watch any series oh, yeah. I'm I'm an alien like I'm, <laughs> you do watch YouTube though don't you Hazel I do I watch Tally's YouTube <laughs> that's why I thought I'd just plug myself I there, do I, I watch you and Zoella and that's about it <laughs> yes watch- me and Zoella what a lineup I'm honoured to be included in that sentence so at the beginning of your journey it was a lot of the information and a lot of the influences online with that very much that bodybuilding style approach oh and all those kind of foods that I know it's not like protein bars that personally I ate and I think, what on earth was I doing? The bars are like bricks, basically. Yeah, yeah. like wh- they weren't even tasty. No, no they were eating them. Because no. everyone you... online said they were tasty, so I convinced myself they were. But now, like I said, you always look at things with a scientific approach, but is there things that have completely, like fundamentally changed from the beginning to how you approach your health and fitness journey now? And do you ever look back and think, I can't believe I used to do that? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not ashamed to say that when I initially started out in my health journey, a lot of it was to do with weight loss. And that's what I thought like equaled health. And now I know that you don't have to be a certain weight to be healthy. And there's so many other markers. And like now I would ne- I, I don't know what weight I am and I don't really care. Mm. I just know I'm healthy and like I eat well, but I also like will absolutely enjoy a glass of wine on the weekend and a slice of cake. And I also move my body because I'm like working on my goals and my that physical element. And like I just said, like the mental health of things, like I've never been happier in terms of my mental space. And like 
good in myself mm. and like I'm going to be 28 this year and it's quite sad to think that it took me this long like and I think about how I used to beat myself up when I was a young 20 year old thinking I needed to look a certain way or do a certain thing and like please people mm. um, and I think that's really how things have changed like my approach to food as well like not looking at it from a macronutrient point of view or like a calorie point of view and rather like we don't eat nutrients we eat foods and like I don't like to break it down or have a, a prescriptive diet or encourage anyone to have a prescriptive diet. Like, I just don't think that's the way forward. And I think that's changed over the years really subtly. But I think now it sits so much better with me. And mm. I feel very much like when I'm like promoting the book, like it just feels so much ingrained in me because I'm not telling anyone to do anything fatty. I'm just trying to give people really sustainable changes so that they're not absolutely overhauling their diet or changing their lifestyle massively. They're just learning to personalise it in a way that makes them healthier. I think personalising is quite important, isn't it? Because in previous years, people would just go on one diet as yeah. such, stick to that. Like a cookie cutter diet yeah. that Try that, doesn't it wouldn't everyone. work. It doesn't. Whereas now there's so much information, so many good books like yours that people can cherry pick the things mm. that, that they can mould into their lifestyle and, For and example, like personalise it. I have had a sneak peek of the second book. What's the second book called, by the way? The Food Medic for Life. The Food Medic for Life. And she's holding it up. <laughs> <laughs> no one can see, but she, you're holding it up. There's a sweet potato falafel recipe in there that has my name on it. <laughs> that is coming into my life for sure. What do your family think of the Food Medic? What does your mum think that after she taught you that apple crumble recipe at the age of five oh what my does she God, think wait, now you need, is it in there no wait you just need to read um okay <gasps> like a to mum i'm sorry for ever calling your apple crumble boring it's still my favorite dessert <laughs> that's in the book that, that is in the book because when we were younger nearly every sunday my mum would make an apple crumble for dessert we had crumble every and week. i was just like oh, mum is it boring old apple crumble again? So like my whole family used to take the mick out of me for saying that. And now when do I you go have an apple now crumble when I come, recipe in there? In my first one I do. I've got uh, another crumble in this one. Ooh. But every time I go home now, I'm like, can we have an apple crumble? <laughs> but yeah, no, I think my mum is super proud. Like she's proud of all her kids, but she as with everyone blogging was a bit new a bit weird to begin with and yeah. I don't think she fully understood it when when I started out so I'm I'm not going to say that she was always like this is a good idea <laughs> but she's always like what makes you happy makes you happy and even taking a step back from like my training program in medicine this year I was a bit nervous to tell her because I know that she's really proud to have a doctor and I don't want her to kind of feel like I'm prioritizing something that isn't worth it but I feel like this is so worth it and this is my calling like the mm. food medic is how I'm going to help more people mm. and when I told her she was just like this is what you need to do like you need to really give this all you've got because you don't realize how many lives you're changing and now she comes to my event. She's like my number one fan. She likes everything I do. You've told me before that she used to say, oh, my daughter, the doctor. My yeah. daughter, Hazel, the doctor. But now she says, my daughter, Hazel, the food medic. Yeah, that's how she introduced me. And she thinks everyone knows who I am. Like She <laughs> thinks the man at the petrol station knows who I am. I'm like, mum, 
<laughs> She's like, this is the food medic. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is really embarrassing. But In your village, are you like a little local celebrity now? Yeah, I think, like, I don't like seeing celebrity, but I think every time I go back, everyone's just like so nice. Like people, like they're so happy to see someone doing well. They must just be mega proud. I think so. And like, I can't, like, I hate, like, just always bigging up Ireland but like when I go back to do any events in Ireland everyone's just so supportive the book signings are incredible Mm. over there because like people come out just to support you and I don't know if it's because blogging is less of a thing over there and there's not many like influencers or like people writing books there is like there's the happy pair in Ross Purcell but like over here there's so many people doing it Mm. that like sometimes I feel like I don't know, maybe people lost the excitement. It's a bit more of a saturated market over here, yeah. isn't it? Especially in London. Yeah. I do know that any Irish bloggers I've met, or just being an island in general, ugh, the energy is just so warm and lovely. Passionate, yeah. They're mm. d- yeah, and they're so everything. supportive. Particularly yeah. around Irish people and anything to do it's with It's probably Ireland. that as well, because yeah. they're just like, oh, there's our homegirl doing yeah. well in the big smoke. In, in London. Like, oh. In old London. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hazel, this has been the loveliest talk and I I hope you've enjoyed it I have Um, it's been really interesting getting to know lots of things about you that I didn't know really yeah I didn't know about the crumble story (laughs) so I have a few kind of set little statements that I want you to complete as we do in every podcast Mm -hmm. the first one is the biggest misconception about me is that I'm not an actual doctor lots of people think that I just call myself a medic and I have to say or that I'm a nutritionist. I'm like, no, I'm a medical doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. Oh, interesting. Mm. It's a quite a uh, a minefield in that world, isn't it? The difference between like a dietitian, a nutritionist, a doctor. I mean, we won't delve into it now, but no. there is but a I difference it's, between it's those so things. It's so important people. to say, and like, I really respect nutritionists and dietitians, and I take on their opinions all the time, mm. and I never want to take their title from them. But I also think it's really important for doctors to be talking about nutrition as well and I think that's something that I'm navigating with loads of dietitians and nutritionists on my side so it's quite good. I think the more people giving good advice about how to eat well for your body isn't a bad thing. No I I think you're doing a great thing. (laughs) Okay the second one is if there is one thing I can use my platform to change it would be (sighs) the healthcare system. It's just switching the mind frame from what we're doing for like acute infectious diseases and like looking that we need to look at everyone. We have to take a more of a holistic approach and attack it downstream before it happens rather than dealing with it when it happens. Mm. We're just like slapping a plaster on the problem when we really need to address the origin of the problem. I love that. (laughs) I feel like that's the third book. Anyway, (laughs) my ultimate goal is to... I don't know. I guess to get nutrition and lifestyle medicine a part of the medical school curriculum to make it a thing. That would be brilliant. Hazel, it has been an absolute pleasure pleasure. to sit and chat with you. (laughs) Thank you, Hazel. Um, Thank Thank you. you. No, it's been so fun. Hey, everyone, it's Ben from Waybox. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, please let us know at Waybox or at Tally Wright. Thanks for listening to the Waybox podcast. 